0: Youth Arena on your dial. A very youthful evening to you Abuja. Welcome to the show, Youth Arena Show. Of course, in the building is the Mops, and of course, we're made easy.
1: Infinite Ngazi.
0: You know how we do it right here on huh? the Youth Arena Show is entertainment, education. Information, motivation, and of course, empowerment. And we are Youth Arena Show. (laughs) Yo, Youth Arena Show today promised to be exciting as usual, of course, informative as usual, because we have the professor of uh, (laughs) (laughs) knowledge in the building. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, pick up your paper, pick up your pen or your diary. You're about to get. A fantastic one-hour of uh, education right here, and of course, uh, the topic we've been treating is uh, money
1: phobias. So we've looked at money phobias for the past six weeks.
0: Yes. Of course, today we'll be looking at uh,
1: money confusion,
0: oh, which man. is our
1: final money
0: phobia. Wow, 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 wow. What a journey it has been. I've learned a lot out of this show from, I, I came to realize that uh, we have phobias. They different kind of phobias as, as a human being, as a young person, you tend to have um, different phobias. You can have more than one, more than two, more than
1: three.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So today is money confusion we'll be talking yep. about today. So, Angie, uh, let's go straight into the show.
1: Well, hello, everyone. I hope you're having a beautiful Tuesday so far. It was a bit of a stressful one for me. So. Wow, <laughs> he listened, <laughs> he listened. <laughs> so, I'm glad to be here. It's uh, always nice to come and be at the studio with a mobs.
0: And, of course, it's nice to be with Angie.
1: <laughs> so, we have been doing a series, a Money Phobia series. And basically, the series focuses on looking at the emotional side of money. So last year we talked about finances in terms of saving, budgeting, investing, spending, etc. So the habits around money. And now we're looking at the psychology around money. money yeah. And so that's why we talked about money phobias. And each week we treated a different money phobia. Mm. And the idea of it was to help people see all the different ways that they could be blocking money from coming into their lives or when the money comes they spend it and they're not able to save so we talked about being money blind not seeing money clearly and a lot of these things are the way that we relate money we forget that money is not it's not like a human being and so we ascribe a lot of emotions towards money and so sometimes we deny money and then we're foolish with our money then we're paranoid with our money we think that people are going to cheat us out of it um or we think that money is some sort of a spiritual thing you know then we think of dirty money we think of blood money we think, <laughs> but we keep ascribing so many characteristics to something that's really inanimate it's a piece of paper to be honest it's an idea and we give it all these qualities that it doesn't have because we're projecting our fears and our emotions. And so when we do that, those things will create money blocks. Okay. Because, for instance, if you have money folly, then money folly is when you're spending so much money, as the money comes in, you don't know how to save it, you don't know how to invest it. So that's a money block because it stops you from growing your finances. Yeah. And then for people who are money paranoid, they're holding on to the money, they're scared. I think that's the one we discussed last week. Yeah, yeah. And people called in to ask about being stingy or yeah, yeah. being married and their spouse is stingy or yeah. being the stingy spouse. <laughs> and what we talked about there was that there's a relationship, like there's an emotional reason why you're that way. Mm and so when somebody is trying to help someone overcome Uh, a money phobia uh, you can't use rational arguments with data and proof because the issue is an emotional issue right we talked uh, about my friend who could never be alone and so he always spent money and always had an entourage because he was scared of being by himself so no matter what you tell him about saving and investing because it's a deep emotional issue of not wanting to be abandoned, not wanting to be lonely, the investment story is not gonna make sense because it doesn't handle the emotional things that are causing him to surround himself with people and spend money every single day to make sure people are with him. So we talked about the fact that these money phobias stem from emotional challenges that we're having and we try and solve those emotional challenges with money. Mm. So the last one is the money confusion.
0: Okay.
1: And money confusion comes into play in different ways.
0: In fact, it sounds interesting.
1: (laughs) But one of the ways that it comes up is, for instance, if, let's say, I'm a lady and I'm negotiating for something, Mm. rather than look at it plainly and say, okay, I'm going to provide this service. So let's say I'm a caterer or... A wedding designer, mm. and I say it's gonna cost 1M. If I'm money confused, I would go to the client trying to see if the client can tell me how much they can afford, right? Mm. So I'm not looking at how much does it cost for me to run this business, how much do I need to make for profit. Mm. I'm just sort of the emotional side of me is interested in getting along with this client, interested in the client liking me and interested in making them happy, but from an emotional side of things. So not a, oh, I'm gonna do a fantastic job and my client will be happy. But it's, I don't want them to hate me, I don't want them to judge me, I don't want them. So you have all these fears. Mm. Um, it happens to people when they're negotiating for their salary, you go into your boss's office and you're shaking because, you know, people who do the kind of work you do, maybe they make 100K, mm-hmm. you've been on 80K for five years, When you started 80k you know a bag of rice was maybe 10k it's now 21 but Mm -hmm. you're still under 80 Mm -hmm. and you're so scared of going to go and negotiate and so you're there almost begging your your boss and um thinking about it from his point of view and the reason why that's a confusion is you've you've put all these emotions on the money Things like how is he going to feel, Mm. how is she going to feel, you know, all the feelings, the fear, the Mm. anxiety, Mm. rather than just the plain fact that even based on inflation alone, Mm. what you could have bought with 80K five years ago when you started getting paid 80K, you know, can't buy you the same things. And so even if you increase your salary to 100K, you'll still be on that 80K lifestyle. Mm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Because if the cost of things have gone up in those five years, mm-hmm. then it means that 100K will buy you what 80K used to buy. Mm-hmm. Or if your skills have gone up in those five years, then you're no longer at an 80K level. You should be making 100. But someone who's money confused doesn't look at those facts. They just look at, oh, I don't want them to think I'm like this. I don't want them to think, you know, I'm greedy. I don't want them to think. And they confuse their emotions. Mm-hmm and the emotions of the other person when it comes to financial negotiations. Okay. So that's money confusion.
0: Well, you, you can see it sounds very, very interesting. Um, I mean, out of all we've been talking about, I think I, I really like this one. Okay. Yeah, I really I really like it because uh, it's very, very controversial. <laughs> right? Yes. In case you just told in, it, it's you to run a show, and of course, infinite Gaussian mops in the building. Of course, today we're talking about money confusion. So you're about to learn a lot of things about money here. The psychological aspect of money. Mm -hmm. yeah? Yeah. So NG is here for us.
1: That's right. Mm. So like we talked about um, in the intro, we're talking about money phobias and the final phobia is money confusion. Mm. And money confusion is basically when you personalize money. So instead of looking at financial transactions as just financial transactions, and looking at it as numbers, like, you know, how much is the profit, How much is the expenditure? You're looking at the emotions, okay. um, and using that to, to make a decision. Now, money confusion isn't something that I've struggled with in the past, Okay, lucky for me, because when I was learning about business and starting a business, I took a class on pricing, right? Wow. And they taught us how to price our businesses. So you have to take into account your raw material cost, take into account the actual um, uh, value added. So whatever you're doing to the raw material to make the final product, take into account your expenses, such Mm -hmm. as storage or transportation, insurance, salaries, then put a profit margin. And when I was learning this, I was living in the UK, Mm -hmm. and so there's an agency, and one of their jobs is that they Monitor every industry in the UK to tell you what a typical profit margin will be for the industry. So if you're in construction, it will tell you, oh, for construction businesses, if you're building houses, the profit margin is usually 25%. Then you can say, okay, I'm going to start below 25% since I'm a new company, or I'm going to start at 50% because I'm a luxury. Um, construction company but they always give you guidelines so you know that a a consultant a designer whatever it is marks up their services by 50 percent 20 percent 15 percent so when we're learning to price it was a very practical process okay we looked at our raw materials cost of delivering it to the client, the storage the insurance security we looked at future costs such as if you need to replace your equipment So for instance, if you um, work with cameras Mm. and you need to replace your camera, all that stuff is factored into the pricing, right? Because you can't wait till your camera gets destroyed and then you don't have money to to fix it. Mm. Um, So once it's all factored into the pricing, you can give your clients a pretty reliable price. Mm. And so that saved me when it came to me pricing myself and my services. Because I didn't have any emotional attachment to the figure. It was basically, these are the costs. This is my profit margin. This is how much it's going to cost me to, you know, invest in myself in future. When I divide that by the amount of clients I plan to have, then each client should pay me this amount of money. So that was easy for me.
0: But now, Angie, this money confusion, Yeah. now um, averagely, averagely, what age range usually exhibit this kind of money confusion?
1: So, I think rather than age, it's probably more like people who are self-employed, people who have to negotiate pay, right?
0: Like teachers, doctors?
1: So, okay. Usually, I think in the public sector, pay is set by how many years of service and all that stuff. But if you were, for instance, self-employed as a as a photographer or as um, a consultant, something a where, well, teachers are not usually self-employed. They're usually employed by a school.
0: Okay, okay, okay. So
1: if you're working for yourself, it's always harder for you to choose, to, to have the conversation about salary. Okay. Right, because you take things personally. Daily
2: income.
1: Yeah, you, like, let's say you're a photographer.
2: Hmm.
1: As a photographer, you're aware that there are photographers that charge 10K a day, Yes. You're aware that their photographers that charge one M a day. So it's hard for you to put yourself to choose what your range is because mm. it's varies so widely. Yes. From ten K a day to one million a day. Okay. It's the same photography. So with each client, you've got to explain to them why you've chosen the price that you've chosen to put your services.
0: Okay, I have to prove them beyond a reasonable doubt that you you what so, so, so I'm at.
1: That's the thing. Uh, So, once you have to prove that you're worth a certain amount of money, uh, it becomes a hard conversation to have because you have your self-doubt as a self-employed person. You have your fears, you have all these things, and you'll, exactly, exactly. And then the clients can use that to manipulate the conversation because they keep threatening you with, I'm not going to come back. I'm not going to buy your services. You're too, you're too expensive. This other person will be cheaper for me. Yeah. I just like you. Let's do it now. Then tomorrow will be better. I'll pay more in future. So when you're in that situation, it's harder for you to make a decision about how much you're going to make and stick to that decision because you're worried that your client might dislike you. They might choose not to go with you again. They might um, get angry with you. And so when you put all those emotions into money, that's where the money confusion comes in. And, you know, it's something that people tend to struggle with, especially when they're self-employed. If you're working in a company, there's a set salary range, at least, for photographers or for you know admin staff or for accountants or for lawyers in that company they might be like oh we we pay 150k now because you've got a master's or some other skill they might increase it to 165 or because you haven't finished your nyc they might reduce it but there's usually a bracket that they must pay but when you're working by yourself you don't have that you know and a lot of times clients are booking you for a one-off like if you're booking an event planner you're not having events every week Absolutely. so your client doesn't really know how much it should cost either so they're trying to get the best deal if you're booking a photographer for your child's birthday it only happens once a year so you don't know what the rates are so whatever the person tells you will sound too high and you want to negotiate yes now unfortunately if you're a service provider who has money confusion then you're in trouble Mm. because in the negotiation you'll end up giving away your services for yeah sometimes right but the mistake some people do is they go the opposite way so then they charge something they can't justify because it's so high Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and you know when you ask them why is it so high Uh they can't explain it because they're trying to run away from the being cheated by a client. So they swing all the way. Like there was a lady that I contacted last uh, a week or two ago. Mm. I wanted her to do a class. Um, I'm helping a friend organize classes for women. Mm. And so she asked me how many people will be in attendance. I said about 10 and she said, okay, I said, how much do you charge? She said, it's a two day training and it's 50 K. I said, oh, we don't need two days, we only need three hours. She said, oh, in that case, it's 200K. (laughs) So I'm like, how is 50K for two days and then 200K for three hours? But I think she, when she said the 50K, she probably regretted it. And then wanted to charge something higher, but then swung all the way Mm, to 200 for three hours. For something you offered 50K for two days. Okay. And when I was trying to explain to her, like, I don't understand, you know, she got upset and she was like, I've said what I've said. Uh-huh. This is the price, this and that. So, Sometimes, again, when you're working for yourself, it's difficult to come up with your pricing structure.
0: A price tag, no, you have to come up with it. You have to, in most cases, you have to view the clients. Okay, let me see, does he have can he Pay you first. Yes,
1: which is, again, another culture that we have. We charge according to... <laughs> <laughs> To what the person looks like.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Again, why that could be problematic for someone that has money confusion Mm. is that if you don't have a set price and you're charging according to how the client looks, Mm. it can affect your business. Because if someone refers you to me and tells me, oh, I paid 50K, Mm -hmm. then I call you and you say it's 125. You don't sound professional. Absolutely um because you're charging me based on either how i look or how i sound or whatever it is what you think i can afford to pay mm. so those are all little ways that money confusion can impact us and come across in our business mm. um i don't know if the people out there have any questions
0: yeah we can uh, of course uh, you to organize an interactive um, program you can call us or text us on the number we to 600 seven four one eight if you have any question about money confusion you can call us or text us on the number oh eight oh two six hundred seven four one eight. So NG uh, the, the the big thing is you know if you're working for yourself how do you know how much you want?
1: Very good question so you know like what I said before when I was overseas they taught us how to price uh, and you look at the cost of your raw materials you look at all kinds of costs uh, and then you price it in uh, now there's a process for that which I can explain briefly okay. and um, people can check online okay. but if you are I don't know what what type of business should we use Um,
0: A cameraman or
2: Okay, so let's say
1: you're a cameraman Let's say that you've spent 1 million Buying your equipment, right? So you've got the cost of your equipment And camera equipment lasts for 3 years So that means that in Averagely, right? Yeah, no, these are just me putting figures Okay. I don't know if it's really 1 million I don't know if it's really 3 years But for the example Mm. So if in 3 years time And then if they tend to go up by 10% a year Mm. Then in 3 years time The camera you bought for 100,000 Could be more it could also be less because technology does get cheaper uh-huh. so what you need to do is make enough money to replace your camera right so you put in an amount of money every month that goes towards the replacement cost of the camera uh-huh. then you put in your time now like i said overseas they used to have these indexes that would tell you how much your time is worth not how much your time is worth sorry what the profit margin is in different industries uh-huh. and kind of how much your time is worth because you can google photographers and see jobs advertised for 25 pounds an hour, 50 pounds an hour. So you kind of know what the hourly rate is and um, you look at the hourly rate to see if it's good for you compared to what your costs are, your bills, your if your parents, your rent, your whatever it is. So you put down the cost of your salary, you put down the cost of your equipment, cost of advertising and marketing, cost of insurance, you add up all the costs that are involved. Then you look at how many jobs am I likely to get a year? Is this something I get once a month? Is this something I get once a week? When you multiply that, you know that, okay, so every month I need to make a certain amount of money so that at the end of the month, I have enough money for my own bills. I have enough money for my profits that goes back into the company. I have enough money for money that is saved in case something horrible happens, right? Because you still have to save.
0: Because, Angie, when, whenever you go for your wedding and stuff, you see photographers where they will tell you uh, they have a picture or that they snap of you and they tell you 200 naira, you know? So I always wonder, okay, you printing it with your camera, you with your papers, with your ink, how do you make gain of asked, And they will tell me you won't understand.
1: Right. So sometimes it's a volume, right? Uh-huh. They, they make money from selling things cheaply, but a lot of those things. Oh. So, for instance, let's say it's 200 Naira, I don't know how many people come to weddings and buy pictures, but if maybe a hundred... Well, you see some, they've snapped it already, it's not just on the mm-hmm. ground,
0: and I wonder, so this, this is waste if these people didn't come for... Right, right, exactly. Uh-huh.
1: So it depends. If the people are making, if it's 200 Naira and let's say a hundred pictures are sold, that's how much? like 20k Mm. a day Mm -hmm. i don't know what their cost of sales are but it might be 5k so if they're making 15,000 a day 10 days is 150 like 10 events is 150 Mm. and let's say they'll do 10 events in a month which is every three days Mm. they might be happy with making yes making that amount of money some people might be making a loss but because they haven't sat down to plan they can't see it so they're just living day to day And as long as they've got enough to take care of today they don't really worry about the future but the thing about business is that there are a lot of businesses that you make a little bit of money but you make it over a lot of people and a long period of time okay and it becomes a lot of money one time i went to buy tires and i sat with the owner and um, I can't remember why we got into the conversation. (laughs) So he told me, oh, I own these two tire shops. And I was like, oh, that's really good. He said, yeah, but I started as a vulcanizer. And I was like, are you serious? He said, yep. (laughs) He was like, all these guys you see on the road. So he pointed in front of his tire shop as a vulcanizer. He said, that guy makes no less than 150 a month.
3: What?
1: Now, this was years ago when 150 was, was, then 150 Naira was a dollar. So that was about $1,000 a month he was making. And he was like, you know, people wear suits and go to banks and work every day Mm -hmm. and don't make as much as this vulcanizer. Um, So there is something about the trickle effect where money just trickles in and -hmm. then it becomes a large volume. Um, My friend, I think I mentioned before when we're in London, their their parents had a Chinese takeaway where they'll sell you noodles, fried rice, this and that. It wasn't a restaurant, it was just a takeaway. So you couldn't sit. It was just a small shop Mm -hmm. and they were open every day and they sold noodles rice things like that for three pounds but by the end when the parents were retiring they had six houses what? in really expensive areas that they paid off with that
0: same business three
1: pound four pound three pound four pound three pound, wow. but there were so many of us coming in to buy three pound four pound three pound four pound okay. every night okay. so there is something to be said about businesses that charge a little bit but have a, a huge volume of customers yeah. um you'd be surprised at what they make in profit wow yeah especially if these people are you know they they are in the area where they live so they know where to go and print it they probably would pay something different from what you would pay because they would have a relationship you know with different
0: human beings right ng what of people that um want to charge high because they are they hardly get gigs you know is that a sign of money confusion
1: um no again if you can justify it so um for somebody like me, a lot of the work that I've done in the past has been in communication, branding, etc. Right? Uh, uh. Now I could go the strategy of doing it cheap and doing it for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So very cheap logo, very cheap website, very cheap everything, <laughs> and then go for volume. Mm-hmm. Or I could be expensive and go for a few. Now, my personality is not good with volume. Oh. So I, you know, going for several meetings, meeting several people, having several conversations, I'm not good with all that. I would rather have um, a few meaningful conversations and be done. So most of the time, the way that I would strategize my business is to look for government agencies in the UK, in Nigeria, and in, mm-hmm. in US, government agencies that have a lot of smaller clients. Okay. And then I'll work for the government agency and then they'll send all their clients to me. So it was like one big job, right? Okay. As opposed to multiple little ones. Okay. Now I would do maybe two or three a year and then I'm done. So somebody was trying to advise me and they were like, if you can do three a year and make this amount, why don't you do 10 or 12? (laughs) But the truth is the way that I've designed my business is that part of my business, I put in rest periods. I put in learning periods so I can go and take a course for six weeks to improve my social media branding without worrying about clients and stuff like that. Okay. I put in vacation, I put okay. in, so all that goes into my pricing. Mm-hmm. So I would charge a bit higher, but hopefully the client feels like the quality of the work is better. Mm-hmm. Um, and the charging is based on the lifestyle that I want to lead. Okay. So the the job for me is to find the client who's willing to pay at the price range that I want to charge, Mm. and then I also need to deliver at the standard that they expect.
0: Now, for young people that want to start, uh, what way is it better to start so that you can't run into money confusion? Like, is it better to start with much more pay and you get bigger and...
1: Um, You know, with all of the money phobias, Uh one of the things that underlies them is the lack of knowledge. so if you don't really know let's say for instance um, about all the things that you're feeling and the things that you're going through and what is triggering you and what your history is then you're just reacting so the first thing that a young person needs to do is really try and uncover if they have any money phobias what their money phobias are where it's coming from just like I said last week because I have the money paranoia I force myself to give people money (laughs) because I know that this is a phobia for me and I know that I want to overcome it and I want to be more generous, right? Until I get used to being generous and then I can increase the amount or increase something, but it's, it's a way for me to push myself forward. So for young people, they can start by learning to find out what their money phobias are, where it comes from, so that they can try and heal that and then take active steps away from it. Mm. So if you have money confusion, because you know, (laughs) um, so I do some construction work Mm. from time to time. And there was a project that we had to build in Prince and Princess. Mm. And I was interviewing like um, developers that I'll work with. Uh. And there was this young guy who was 26 or seven who said he was interested. So I liked him. I liked his energy. Mm-hmm. I liked, you know, how excited he was about the project. So I said to him, okay, well, send me your your proposal or your quote, your mm-hmm. BOQ, and then we'll go from there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, everybody else's quote was between, I think it was between, let's say, 18 to 22 million.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: His was 29. Wow. So when I interviewed him, I was like, what, can you explain sort of, you know, And he was like, he kind of talked around in circles and then ended up saying, the truth is I knew you wouldn't give it to me anyway Uh because of my age. So I just said, Uh let me. And I was like, wow, that's such a shame because (laughs) you're the one person I wanted to work with. Because I like working with young people. Everybody I work with is pretty young. I want to encourage young people. Mm Um, so I was really excited about your quotes mm-hmm. and I was like, if it matches any of the ones here, it's you I'll use. Wow. But before we could even start, you've discounted yourself. And he was like, well, because of my age, I was like, I don't really care. I've never said, I wouldn't waste time telling you to go and bring the proposal if I wasn't going to, See. you know, but your quote is 10 million higher
0: than, than
1: the lowest year. And we actually ended up doing it for the the 18, I think. So his quote was really out of um, scope. Mm -hmm. Now, if he had maybe done a bit of his research, and I don't know if it's that somebody brought him a quote and he just added yeah, 10 million to it in different places so that he could keep Keep. that. Mm -hmm. Um, But if he had done a little bit of research, even about me as a customer, Mm -hmm. he would have known that that would... Not, not be a be good approach so i think for young people research is key mm. and we can talk more about it after the break
0: yeah <laughs> we'll take a short break <laughs> we we'll are right back after this it's still you to write a show on your dial Five, four, three, two,
2: one.
1: you're listening to the youth arena on armed forces radio 107.7 with your host amaz and infinite guzzi
0: arena on your dial see so your attention down on forces rates Yo, you you to rent a show on your dial of course we're talking about money phobias of course today we're talking about money confusion of course I have this question for ng and uh, my question goes like this: ng out of all the money phobias we've been talking about for young entrepreneurs or young uh, aspiring uh, youths, which one is more dangerous to young people?
1: Um, the, the funny thing about money phobia is it, they all affect us the same way. So there's not one that's worse than the other. Okay. If you have money folly and you're constantly spending money, mm. it affects you because you're not able to save, you're not able to invest, You know anything that goes into your hand goes away. But if you've got money paranoia and you don't spend, you're still not able to invest, you're not able to buy assets because you're scared that if you invest, you're going to lose everything. So at the end of the day, the quality of your life would still be low with any of the money phobias, whether it's folly or paranoia. For confusion, your quality of life will still be low because you're not making what you deserve. You're constantly worried about your pay. Mm. You're not able to stand up for yourself. Um, the other thing that this affects are like the relationships that we have with people. Okay. So, someone who has money folly might be spending a lot of money and have people around them, but they might not have people who are genuine, right? They might have people who just come for the money. Yeah. For the good time
0: but the people like that always i've met people that would say i'm happy when i spend money I yeah i'm happy when i spend money to, to people i'm yeah. happy when i give people money yeah but it's definitely affecting them
1: well so how, you, the, so, this, how
0: did that make them happy
1: so there the are different things for instance somebody could be happy um i'm trying to think of how to explain this I could be happy because I'm the center of attention, right? With mm-hmm. all my friends. Mm-hmm. So I come in, I pay for everybody's drinks and everybody's whatever it is. happy. Yes. But in a way, I don't know if that's really happiness, right? Huh. Because I'm relying on the way that people feel about me and the is attention and all that kind of stuff. Yes. So if I don't have money, does it mean I'm no longer worth anything? Does it mean I no longer... Um, can go out and hang out with my friends.
0: I don't know. You know people that they're spending, they know they, know they are overspending. Mm-hmm. But if they don't spend, they are not happy. If they keep it to themselves, they are sad. But once they spend it, they are happy.
1: Which is basically what we've been talking about the whole time. Mm. The idea that people use money mm. for emotional fulfillment. Mm. So, your emotional fulfillment shouldn't come from money. Whether it's spending it, whether it's saving it, whether it's hoarding it, um, you know, whether it's being confused about it, that's not. You you shouldn't have your emotions tied to the money, especially because money is so fleeting. If something changes, for instance, like if you make money because of your connections and your connections change, does that mean like the rest of your life you're not going to be happy because you're no longer making the money? When I was in university, my my brother said to me you know because i used to worry about oh will i have enough money for this semester blah 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 Mm. and my brother was like you know as much as you can detach your emotions from money because money comes and goes so if your emotions are dependent on money Mm. then you're going to be going up and down and up and down and up and down based on how much money you have and that's not really how to live so I understand that people can derive joy and pleasure from you know, giving yeah, people money. Yeah. And that's fine. But what we're talking about with a money block is a habitual chronic need to spend or blow your money mm-hmm. anytime you get it. That's different from buying a friend a gift okay. or going out for dinner. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm talking about something that alters your life. So, having fun is fine. We all do. Spending money is fine. We all do. But when it gets to the point where it's altering your life and it's impacting your relationships, Mm. then that's where it becomes like a block. Not just your daily normal life.
0: Mm.
1: I think you should give the phone numbers away.
0: I think, yeah. Okay, you can call into the show or send us an SMS, preferably. uh, The number to do that to is... 0802-600-7418, 0802-600-7418 0802-600-7418, 0802-600-7418 is the number to call or send an SMS to 0802-600-7418. Alright, big me to this question, Angie. Um, yeah. You know, um, there's a saying, okay, wait, let, let's see if we can get this message. Um. Okay, call. Hello, good evening, you're on to a Show.
3: Good
0: evening. Good evening. Kindly turn down the audio of the radio set, please. The topic is
2: money
0: and spending, right? Yeah, money paranoia. Huh? That's, we're talking about money confusion, yes?
2: Please go. ahead. So
0: go ahead, please. What's your name and where are you calling us from?
2: My name is Steven. I'm calling you from... Oh, yeah. I'm on
0: my way home back to Brenta, So I'm on the road. Okay, okay, beautiful. hope you packed. yeah? Hope you're not driving. I'm
2: not driving. Beautiful. is driving.
0: Oh, beautiful. Please, let, let's yeah, get yeah, your please. questions. Yeah, let's get your question.
2: And I want to make my take, but I just had your program now. I'm talking about money, spending, emotions, having the best of all. So I just want to get the point. Okay. Is on because of money and spending?
0: Come yes, on, yes. Yes. Hello?
2: Hello, sir? Yes, yes, yes. What is it the direct question, sir? So I'll
0: make my contribution. You make the question now, right? You should make the question. Do you want to ask those question or you want to contribute to the program? Well, I just want to
2: contribute on the topic Please go ahead. The use of money. Please go ahead. Well, I want to believe that uh, the purpose of money is for transaction and command. So some of us have the attitude of giving and from our the attitude of spending. So when you now say spend, is it spend for your own personal use or spend as a lavishing? Okay. I think giving it is a good thing to give. If you have the habit of giving and you're happy about that then hmm. that is a good one. Because I believe you can only get when you give. Okay. But the But when it comes to spending it depends on what you are spending it on. Am I spending the money on myself, my well being, okay. Myself the development. Okay. That can be seen as extravagant, and you shouldn't be having the best of my emotions. Okay. But if I now lavish it like spending to dash, or spending for material things to mm. show off, mm. uh, okay.
0: money is not being put into proper use, it's just like misappropriation. Mm. Okay. In so instead of misappropriating to the money, I'd rather give it to someone that has need for it. Okay. Yes, because
2: moderation permits me to have limits to what I will need or use, but not to be lavish or extravagant. Because okay. I'm sensitive to the time and season. There are a lot of people out there that have needs. Okay. If I can give of the little I have, it makes me feel good. Like you don't even have to ask. I should be observant enough to know that this next man, he neighbor, a friend, has that need. Okay. And when you get to someone and asking for it, I'm obliged by natural law to give. Okay. It's a thing of weed. Except I'm a stingy person. Ah, okay. So giving is a thing I like doing. So I can spend my money largely on giving, but not spending it on eating or clothing or myself or something. Okay. So that's my
0: take. All right. Thank you for your contribution on the show, NG. Yeah.
1: Well, I'm, I'm really glad that, um,
0: yeah.
1: that you called because I need to clarify when we talk about money folly, mm. it's It's not sort of regular spending. We're talking about overspending. You know, like I said before, we don't have credit cards the way that people have overseas. Mm -hmm. And so it's easier for you to to check what the debt level is Mm -hmm. and see how much people are spending over what they make. Mm -hmm. But here, it's a bit harder to know the number of people who are in debt Mm -hmm. who are spending Mm But we're generally talking about somebody who has this, if I perish, I perish. This is my last 5K. (laughs) I'm going to go and eat fish pepper soup. (laughs) Yeah. But it's just the mindset of excessively spending money that we're talking about. Not giving to people, not food, not rent, but just the excess.
0: Okay. But can someone uh, spend excessively on himself?
1: Of course, that's what we're talking about. So, the excessive food, partying, clubbing, drinking, um, clothes, you know, uh, shoes, watches. We all have little obsessions or hobbies. And sometimes, you know, you spend so much of your money on that. Uh. Now, the key thing is when it's supposed to, when the job of the money is to fulfill an emotional need. Uh if you're buying if someone comes to you you know they need help with their school fees and you help them pay somebody else comes to you they need help with their business you're giving all this money away it's not sort of because you feel empty inside well it can be but that's not what i mean i'm talking about people who are trying to use spending money to fill a void that's inside them
0: Okay, um, we have a text message here and it says, uh, I am Caleb Yorima from Cairo. Hi. (laughs) My question is, I am a gospel musician and I am if I'm invited, how do I charge for my services?
1: Oh, that's a very good question. Mm. So, um, as a gospel musician, you know, I don't know how many of you are out there in terms of for you to be able to compare quotes. Something I used to do in the past, actually I, I just remembered it now when I was new to the industry mm. and I didn't know what people were paying, mm. which now that I think about it, I feel a bit guilty, but <laughs> I would call my competition, mm. pretend to book them. Wow. So that I can find out their rates. <laughs> so I'd go around calling people who offered services that are similar to mine, mm-hmm. tell them, oh, um, we have a wedding. It's by two o'clock. I need you for two hours. You're going to sing five songs. How much is it? So I get my price by checking, you know, doing a market survey of all my competition.
0: Well, you know music is a different thing, right?
1: Well, no, you've got musicians, right? Because yeah, at the end of the day, if the person is calling you to do their wedding, mm-hmm. if it's not you, it's going to be another musician. Mm-hmm. So who's the other musician? And find out what they're going to charge. Be bigger than you. No, at the end of the day, I said call people who are similar to you. Okay. So okay. If, if someone is calling him... Um, what's the caller's name? Caleb, Caleb, right? They're not likely to be calling Caleb and also David O. They're
3: going to (laughs) call Caleb
1: (laughs) and people within... Caleb range? Yes. Caleb's price range, Caleb's experience range. Do you understand what I mean? Mm. They're not calling him and calling, I don't know, uh, gospel musicians actually. Uh, Uh, Gloria Uh, or something uh, like that, I can't remember. But they're not calling him and calling people who are so different from him. Because also the person who's calling has a budget. So when I wanted to find out what people typically charge, I would call my competition, and your competition is the person they'll choose, if not you. I'll call my competition, find out what they charge for the same thing. When I get an average, so depending on the business you're in, you might have five people you can call, you might have 10, you might have 20. But when I see that the range is 25K an hour, mm. or the range is 50K an hour, or mm. the range is 1M a day, it helps guide me in my own pricing. I hope that helped.
2: Yeah,
0: we have a call. Hello, good evening.
2: Hello?
0: Can you turn out the audio of radio sets, please?
2: Hello?
0: Yeah, we can hear you loud and clear. Hello? Yeah, we can hear you. Good evening. You're on to YouTube yeah, radio show. I'm, I am
3: Sequest.
0: Sequest, all right. Sequest, do you have a Hello? question? Yeah. Okay. So from I'm, where?
3: I'm interested in the uh, guest in the house. Okay. And uh, there was something she said. Okay. That um, she took interest in a particular guy, but mm-hmm. unfortunately the guy just back off, which she was thinking of using him. Okay. In terms of charges now, I mean to structural solution, and um, by the grace of God, the project that. Maybe it can take me like uh, two, three days. Uh. If I wait, it cannot give me a delivery to my test. Because I always go beyond my client's test. Uh. I need to follow finishing of structures. Okay. So, but with this now, mm. charges from someone, I might want to get that job One that must. Right now, on the month. Well, I now undercharge because I really want to get the job and maintain my standards, Because so, the way I deliver my service. It's going to be different from the other person. So I not charging you, So I don't understand how to. Um, okay. All right. All right. All right. Listen, we are ready. Okay. I would like to have the contact of that. Guest.
0: Okay. I would like to have personal contact with her Oh no problem. Yes. All right. Listen, we are
1: ready. Okay. Very good question. Yeah. So the gentleman was saying that he has a price range. because of the standard of finish that he does. And so should he reduce his price range Uh, when um, just to get a job uh, when the standard of finishing that he does, yes. Uh, So the way that you can tackle that is, you know, I mentioned it before, look for clients who can afford you. So when I was going through my own uh, branding and communication business, I never worked with small businesses because they couldn't afford me. (laughs) And it was just fact, Mm, right? mm. I wouldn't even feel good charging a small business because I know that they're just starting and Mm. so they need to make as much and save as much as possible. So I targeted government agencies because I knew that they had bigger budgets Mm. and uh, they could afford to pay. So what I needed to do was get myself to the stage that a government agency could hire me. So they require a lot of paperwork, which a small business will not require, but a government agency does. So I made sure that my paperwork was ready. They also require a different kind of vocabulary Mm. to an individual, right? They want to hear and see data and matrix. So I had to improve my vocabulary. They require several meetings, which a small business can just even book you via text message, you know, or or phone call. Um, So I had to be ready for those meetings. But Mm -hmm. knowing that once you've done it, then you might get three or four years' worth of work. Wow. Right? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Now, why am I saying that? It's important for you to target your customers clearly. Mm -hmm. So you know you've got a high standard of finishing, and so you don't go to everybody to pitch work Mm -hmm. because your standard of finishing is higher than the normal standard of finishing. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, if your standard of finishing was really outstanding and your price matched it, clients will be looking for you. Oh. Because if you think about it, we've got the big construction companies yeah. that everybody knows, yeah. that has the billboards, and yes. we've got the individuals that nobody really knows, mm-hmm. on whatever it is. So there's space in the market for a middle-range construction company mm-hmm. that's not as big as the big names, yeah. but it's not as small as the ones that build and the building falls down. Yeah. <laughs> so you are in a perfect position to differentiate yourself by your finishings since you're good yeah and if you've done two or three like the guy we've got a uh, project that we're constructing at the moment yeah. the guy who did it you know it was actually the gate man of the property he built that called that told me that you know when when i was looking for somebody yeah. it was the gate man for the property he built that told me You've got to use this man. He's amazing. Wow. The gate man.
0: Gate man. And then
1: the gate man was like, "Come, let me show you the house." Took me around, showed me the tiling, showed me the toilets, showed me everything. So when you do exceptional work, people yes, people will visit the house that you built for someone. Mm. People will ask them who built this, Mm. right? And all they can say is, um, "He's not cheap, but he delivers on time to a high standard." And once you keep that. Yeah, mm. so maybe one of the things you could do is before you get into bidding and pitching mm. When when somebody calls you, you can ask them if they have a budget mm. And then if they tell you um, no, you can say to them Okay, well, you know you want to build a four-bedroom bungalow Typically the four beds I build start at 25M wow. right? Only because you've done it for long enough that you've got the experience yes. Then you tell them it can change based on the soil because we might have to make the soil. Um, if, if the land is swampy, mm. you know, if this Interest or this range, and that. However, that. it's around the 25 m range. Mm. If the person is looking for 8 m work, then they know two of you don't waste each other's time. So, I hope that's been helpful. Target people who can afford you. Mm-hmm. Be be aware that as you continue to do good work, the people who you've done work for in the past, other people will hear about it. Mm. Um, Continue to do your marketing and your differentiation. Obviously, you can do via social media. Have your numbers because if you're competent and somebody calls you and you say, Oh, what do you want? Uh Okay, your place is in where? Uh And you want a four bedroom duplex. Uh They tend to start around 40M. (laughs) The person would know whether to have a conversation with you or not. than for you to even leave your house and start going because you've been building. So you know what it means Mm. and you can tell them for 40M, you're going to have, you know, this standard of finishing, this type of POP, Mm. this type. And then you've got photographs of the work you've done in the past. You can send them photographs. mm -hmm. You can have referrals Mm. where your past clients, if you were a pleasure to work with, Mm. you can say to them, please, the biggest thing I want you to do for me is do like a two second video to just talk about me yeah. and then, you know, have all that ready so that when people contact you, they'll know you're different from the rest. Mm.
0: Okay. Um, we have a text message from prophet Cletus Johnson. So how can I, how can someone control paranoia? Um,
1: control paranoia. Yes. Okay, um, so today is not about paranoia. Mm-hmm. Today is, oh, oh, maybe he's talking oh, about phobia. phobia yeah. Okay, and then today was money confusion. confusion. So um, let me tackle the, the confusion part. Uh-huh. Like I said before, if you're money confused, and this comes up if you're negotiating salary, uh-huh. if you're negotiating pay, uh-huh. even in divorce, when people are negotiating divorce terms, uh-huh. who's gonna keep the house, who's gonna keep the this and that, a lot of people come money confused. The, the best thing you can do is educate yourself, right? Educate yourself on what is the going rate for what I do, for what I'm negotiating for. So you don't enter the negotiation blind. And then you find out what is the highest rate in the industry, what is the lowest rate. You can do that by calling your competition. But really, if you've been in an industry for a while, you kind of have an idea. Mm. Then you go in and you negotiate and you're only going based on facts, not emotions. Mm. So you're not cutting down price because you're afraid or because you want this person to like you. You're cutting down price because you know that, okay, my profit margin on this job was going to be 35%, but I'm going to take 30 because I'm not doing anything right now. It's going to be quick for me to do this job, so I can just make that money quickly,
2: Mm.
1: you know. So you go in with facts and figures, and that helps you in a money confusion scenario. Mm. Um, And I hope that helps, because I hope you were asking about confusion. But the best way to have clarity is information knowledge.
0: Okay, let's see if we will take a last call, 0802-600-7418, or 600 7418 If you want a question or you want to contribute to the show, you can call us or send us an SMS preferably, 0802-600-7418. Of course, um, we've been talking about money confusion. Of course, uh, if you're a business person, how do you... How do you Present yourself. How do you um, negotiate. negotiate? If you if you're good enough, like our, our previous caller said, um, he's good. Boy, does that mean you should price yourself low because he needs a job? And of course, Ng, good evening to you. Welcome to you to run a show. I
3: want to. Yeah. My name uh, is Come again. My name is Akko
0: Okay, Akok, Kenneth, nice to have you on you show. Do you have a question or a contribution?
3: Uh, a contribution.
0: Please go ahead. I
3: want you to really appreciate our guests tonight.
0: They appreciate you. I have
3: been listening patiently. Okay. And Thank you. I have learned a lot from us today. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, the truth of the matter is that uh, your new world is possible because I don't know that one what is measured in terms of value and capacity? And what is able to cultivate is uh, uh, capacity, mm. credibility, and credibility in settings. I think the truth of the matter. Mm. Principles are also valued and distinguished in fact, in terms of looking at real wealth. But if you look at the society today, what we are seeing, there are many that have big names in this. I say, let's take a walk out, and it took me to the market where all the the items, the goods that are bringing to the market. All right. thank you very much sir.
0: yeah well you can slide it in into Angie's handle uh, <laughs> on uh, instagram yes at
1: infinite and uh if you go on instagram i'm mm. at infinite ngozi and um basically you get in touch with me through the studio also um for obvious reasons i don't give away my phone number mm. um only because of the nature of the country mm. and uh, you don't know who's who. So we we don't uh, give away my private number, but Instagram is a good way to try and get a hold of me at infinite Ngozi. Mm-hmm. Together. Or, yes, it's mm-hmm. one word, mm. infinite. Um, okay. And then you could also try through the studio. Thank you so much for all that, uh, the words of encouragement. Uh-huh. I enjoy teaching and um, <laughs> I've year. enjoyed this process of talking about money phobias with all of you. Yeah, I have written a book about it and um, it's something that we're hoping to publish soon. It's being edited at the moment. It's a workbook to help people determine what their money phobias are and what to do so that they can get out of it. Um, maybe when the book is ready and available, then I can do a final show um, about it again in future. But I'm hoping that is something that we can get done in the next couple of months.
0: Okay, um, we have a message here uh, quickly before we wrap up. And this message, thanks so much, Angie, for all you have said. Honestly, I'm vic- I am a victim of money confusion. All these co- all these accounting seems complex. I would love to take a lecture, ordinary prince from Masaka. All the accounting. Yeah, like okay. all,
1: these, all the accounting.
0: That
1: oh, need lectures, yeah
0: okay. Mm. And of, of course, uh, our last scholar said, if we have any material like shows like this that you want to learn, you can go to Google. You can listen to our podcast.
1: Go That's to, right. Yes. We we have a podcast on all the podcast stations. Mm. In terms of learning about business finance, mm. I also struggle with that. Anybody who's creative struggles with it. So mm. I also struggle with it because um, we're not really numbers people. Mm. But I took several classes. It took me about four classes before I could figure out business finance. Mm. So try and get help if you if if your if your challenge is a practical one mm. like. Find like numbers, yeah. you know. This is more about emotional problems. But if it's practical, you can you can get help. Yeah. Um, Like I said, slide into my DM. I can send you some resources.
0: Yes. Uh, okay. Angie, your last word. To, to th-
1: my last word today is bye.
0: <laughs> Have a lovely day. You, Tarina, will come your way again next week. God willing. Have a lovely day, Abuja. My name is Remeno Moss.
1: And Infinite Ngozi. Peace.